I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome into WTF Wednesday right here on Critical Thinking. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Padoni. We have got a ton of craziness from the world of impeachment inquiry, Pat, to chosen families. Oh, boy. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about a topic that a lot of people that hold similar worldviews to you and I, Pat, seem to be bringing up quite a bit today. So I thought, what better way than to actually talk about it and actually give you the words that have been said on this very subject. So why don't we just dive right in to some critical thinking? Y'all might be asking yourselves, what pray tell was Andrew talking about? Well, before we get into all of that, let's get out of the, the good stuff out of the way. Do not forget, you can follow me at The Coppin Show, him at The Pat Oni Show. You can also download, subscribe, rate, review on the podcasting platform of your choice. And of course, you can always see us every single Monday through Friday that we are on the air over on our Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. All right, all of that out of the way. What, pray tell, are we talking about this this thing that people have been using and bandying about, if you will, Pat? Uh, do you want to enlighten the critical thinking universe? Um, are, are you specifically referring to something biblical? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, are, are you specifically referring to something in, in um, from the Apostle Paul? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. Are, are, are you specifically referring to uh, something from, from Romans? Why, Being yes, I am. Yes, Romans yes, one. I am. You, thank you for picking up what I was putting down, and it's almost like we prepped for the show for once. <laughs> Gee, I, I, I didn't know that we did that. <laughs> but yes, a lot of people are talking about, we live in Romans 1 times, and Romans 1, and Romans this, and Romans that, and Romans, 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 right? 
okay, but how many of you who are talking about that have either never read it, don't know what it actually says? So I thought as we maybe want to discuss our worldview and how we see the world today, we might, I don't know, want to actually know the words that came out of Romans. I, I don't know about you, Pat. Oh, I, I think it's a fabulous idea. So before we discuss, are we living in Romans 1 times? Let's see what Romans 1 is all about. First up, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and designated son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, obviously what is happening here, right, is very simple. This is Paul talking to Romans, talking to, he is writing, writing a letter to the Romans, okay? So this is, this is setting this up, the salutation, right? He goes on to continue. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple enough, right? Pretty nothing, straightforward. Nothing nefarious there, but this yep. is the salutation. Yep. So, let us continue, shall we? Let us continue. He gives thanks coming up next. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brethren, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Again, this is simply him giving thanks, right? This is simply Paul saying that he wishes for as much impartation of wisdom for himself as he can impart on others, right? Very simple. Yep, pretty pretty straightforward. Now, the other thing that I wanted to bring up here is one of the more interesting facts. Most people believe that the Bible has been, you know, chapter and verse for a very long time, right? And that it's always been chapter, verse, chapter, verse, chapter, verse. No, it actually hasn't. Chapter and verse was a way for 
people in Protestant Reformation times to be able to to pull pieces of the Bible to kind of it, it's a reference guide, right? It, be, it it was not something that existed in the Gospels originally. These were things put there by man much much later for reference points. It probably would have read more something like a book at one point. Right. It would have read as Greek prose. It would have read very differently without the way that chapter and verse puts it to us. So I do do want people to understand that as we go forward because I think it is going to be important to the discussion as we go forward. But let us continue. Paul continues saying, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, He who through faith is righteous shall live. Any comments there, Pat? Um, again, I think I think this is pretty straightforward. I mean, it's it's being not ashamed of of the gospel. It's also being faithful, and not just being faithful, but being faithful in righteousness. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, it, and it's basically, you know, as we look at it, a, a statement of the power of the gospel, right? Mm. That's really what we're going. What's going on here? All right. right. Let us continue going forward here because this is probably the part that most people are referencing when they talk about Romans 1. And it's this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. Now, I'm going to continue on here to the next section because most people stop right there, Pat. But this is the end of Romans 1. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. They were filled with all manner of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, uh, malignity. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. 
though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but approve those who practice them. So, as we read this, Pat, what is Paul what is Paul teaching to the Romans? He is writing this letter to the Roman faithful of his time, right? The the people right. who are involved in the church, the Gentile and the Jew, by the way, the Roman Jew and the Roman Gentile. We have to remember that the church, as we might know it in Catholicism or anywhere else, right, has not been formed yet. This is not something that has been coalesced. Notice he uses the term Gentile. Notice he uses the term Jew. They would have seen each other as separate but maybe equal, right? The baptized Jew and the baptized Gentile. Right, yeah. These were still recognizably similar but different, right? There was no Catholic Church. There was no Catholicism. There was no coalescing around that. It was just gospel-based. Um, but as we look at Romans 1 here, what is your takeaway? I mean, I think my obviously the first thing is going to be, wow, this sounds vaguely familiar, looking at our culture, mm-hmm. looking at how we're ultimately living in, in today's world. Um, obviously, we have the faithful. You know, there, there are those that exist, and then there are those that, you know, they are that are being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, you know, all of those those kinds of things. Um, and, and we see that. We see that, I mean, when we talk about tranny madness, it's very clear there. Um, anytime we talk about the LGBTQ elemental P plus, we, we see it there. Um, you know, we, we see this church of me as you have, uh, coined that so well, um, mm-hmm. all around us. It's, it's not about it, it, when it comes to the unrighteous, it's not about following God's will. It's about following your own will. Um, and, and God's will be damned. Uh, and that that's and that there will be judgment. There will be judgment for this at some point. Um, and and but yet most a lot of the other people today don't believe that because they they have casted God out of their lives. And it's much like what what's going on here in Romans at the time too. Because if we look at you know what, what's going on in Rome, I mean, you have all of these very sim- similar things going on too within the Roman Empire. Um. You know, Rome didn't fall from an external force, guys. Rome fell from internal forces, and a lot of that stemmed from its own unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I struggle with, right, is how many people use the Bible as an interpretation of today. It's not the same. Uh, yes. 
Yeah, I, I, yes. I understand that. No, no, no. What I mean by this, though, is not that we are to never use the Bible to inform our lives as they currently exist, right? Right. It's not about that. What I have a problem with is those who want to interpret the Bible and fit it into today, mm. meaning they're using it as a cudgel for today. Instead of understanding its time, its place, its manner, and its lesson, is there a lesson to be learned for today? Absolutely. But that lesson is a universal lesson that should be learned at any time in human history, past, present, or future. Because what is Paul writing to us? He is writing to us about the, the Christians that are living in Rome, right? That he wants to preach the gospel to them. But what is this? What is this message? It is equal parts. Warning of the wickedness of the world. And so many people, that's all they know of Romans 1, right? What's the first part beyond the salutations, right? Beyond the introduction of who the heck Paul is and why is he writing to the Roman baptized Jew and baptized Gentile. It is God's power to mm -hmm. save everybody who believes in his begotten son. Mm -hmm. And it's also his faith in that power. Exactly. He's proclaiming it. He is proclaiming his faith. Faith for faith. Faith for faith. So, yes, can we learn a lesson about covetousness? Can we learn a lesson about idolatry and bigotry and, and, and all that stuff? Mm. Absolutely. It is a warning. There's no question about that. But it's a universal warning throughout human history. We're sinful. Throughout, what does Paul know about the history of Judaism. Again, we go back to the Old Testament. And I, I said this last week, right? What was the lesson of the Old Testament? The lessons in large parts, not just a, a genealogical lesson, right? Or a lineage lesson, if you will. It is a right. lesson about those that give to their craven mind, if you will, right? That God will punish the wicked. God will stand by the righteous, even the righteous that do sin, as long as they are what? Not just remorseful, but repentant of their sin. Well, yes, and that requires being faithful. Right. So, as I wet my whistle, um, I just, I struggle with how so many people in the conservative movement, how so many people in libertarian circles that are faithful pervert this. They pervert it as a warning for today and, and we're living in Romans one times. 
We are always living in Roman one times. Because all of the things that Paul speaks about existed in his day. It isn't as if, it is not as if, right? These things just go away by faith and faith and faith and faith. I mean, let's be honest. Who amongst us is without sin? Right. Nobody. We all know that. Right. But this is Paul's warning that how do you overcome the secular world, if you do, if you will, right? How do you overcome those things? You do it by faith, by giving yourself up to our Lord and Savior and walking in a path of righteousness as you can. And, you know, we have ways in the Catholic Church that are different than others, right? We have confession and penance and and all that. We have mechanisms of which you show that repentant behavior, right? It is those that are unrepentant. We talk about this time and again, Pat. Those that are unrepentant that live Romans 1. The flip side of that coin is you also are living Romans 1 if you recognize it, change it, and live by faith. There's power in these words, not just in the damnation of the secular world, but in the in the beauty of God's power to save everybody, save everyone who believes in Jesus. That's the message here. It's not the hellfire brimstone damnation. It's not the talk of, and by the way, we can, I, I guess we can go here right now. This is obviously a reference for a lot of people to use against the LGBT or LGB or LG communities, right? Right, sure. One's more clear than the other, I think. Sure. And and I'll be clear on this. You have to understand the original intent and the original meaning of, of Greek words. And the you know what I'm saying? Because that translative power. There there's a reason why certain words don't translate between um languages still to this day, right? Because sometimes they don't have a meaning. Like, a, like an exact meaning between them. Right. So what is unclear is really Paul's meaning of the the, the seemingly lesbian part of this, right? The, the reference to women doing unnatural. Mm-hmm. What a lot of biblical scholars believe is that was a talk of not necessarily lesbianism, but um, actions within the home. That's likely the reference that was being made there. Most biblical scholars believe that to be the case because the Greek really didn't have a word for lesbianism. Now, was would this have been something that would have been known, these actions, to Paul, to the apostles, to everybody else? Lesbian, gay? Yeah, Actually, they would have been known at the time because this was quite often a thing that happened in Roman culture. 
If you know anything about Roman culture, it was not uncommon for that to happen because the relationship between procreation and marriage and sex in general and how we see it today are very different. So we have to be careful in how we interpret these things. We have to be knowledgeable about the times in which these were written because that context really does matter. Just like well-regulated, like we talked about on yesterday's show, right? Well-regulated meant regimented, meant drilled. That's what they were meaning. Most people today believe something different. But you have to understand the time and the reference and the context in the refrain, if you will, of what's being written. Because it changes, right? Does that not or... For me, it does change the interpretation a little bit. It can impact understanding for sure. Yeah. And so we have to be careful as to how we interpret things to not pervert their meaning. Because we cannot go back in time and ask Paul directly, obviously, what's he, what is he meaning by this? But I also think it's interesting as I read through this that so many people pick up on the back half and not the first half of Romans. Because it's almost as if Paul could have done the salutation, the reference to the gospel, right? Right. Or, or his invitation to the Romans, then the end, and then the middle. Yeah, kind of... As I've heard, as I've especially as I've heard people in in media talk about Romans one, they definitely focus more on the hellfire and brimstone part of this mm-hmm. than they do the hopeful side of this. They focus more on the fear than they do about the hope. And again, I go back to these questions: Why do you need salvation? How many times do you see this, Pat? I am saved by Christ. Why? Why are you saved by Christ? Why do you need salvation? What do we need to be saved from? If you don't know that, you're not really saved. God is giving us the roadmap through Paul. Paul is giving us the roadmap of that salvation here. He describes, as as I note in, um, from, um, uh, Who's the, who's the priest now? I can't remember. But he puts it this way. Paul describes a downward progression of unrighteous humanity, including all of us, all of us by our very nature. It begins with refusing to see the creation of what God has made knowable about himself. Sinful humans do not want to see and do not want others to recognize God's eternal power or divine nature. It's a rejection of God. Hear me out on this. It is a rejection of God to not understand our sinful nature, to to bury your head in the sand of that second part of Romans 1. is a rejection of your saving grace. As we look at our worldview, you cannot, you cannot have the worldview that you and I, Pat, have. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Only the good. It doesn't work. Happy warriors are those who are happy because they know of the salvation and the saving power of belief in Jesus Christ and of God. But a recognition of there has to be something to be saved from. I was going to say they, they recognize the bad too. How do, you, how do you change the sinful ways and the sinful nature, the Romans one time that we are living in? How do you change it? recognition of it and the saving power of God of literally what, how do you get out of it by God's power? It's the message of Romans one is you reap what you sow. And if you turn away from the salvation, from the power of that message, if you turn away from belief in God, if you as a society do that, Hellfire, brimstone, sin, everything you can imagine will come your way until you return. And again, that is the message of the Old Testament. Paul is just saying the Old Testament in a different way. Why? Because Jesus Christ fulfilled Scripture. We begin what God has made instead of him. We worship the things God helped us create instead of God. That's the idolatry, right? Graven image, whatever you want to put it as. Give ourselves over to God instead of our own desires. That's the point here. And with that, Pat, I think now would be a good time for us to get out of the deep end and uh, get into some deep doo-doo. Like, speaking of Romans 1, I I guess, right? Speaking of Romans 1. So yeah. why don't we, I don't know, play a little bit of the B or not the B. Okay. Speaking of uh, of idolatry and, and all that, Babylonia, say what? <laughs> Sir, I mean, the, the irony is not lost on me. All right. With that, um, today's headline, Pat. Alrighty, today's headline, experts believe Aaron Rodgers' ankle injury a result of being unvaccinated. Experts <laughs> believe Aaron Rodgers' ankle injury a result of being unvaccinated. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. Why are you thinking about that, Andrew Coppins? Folks, it's been a morning. Um, I'm not a morning person. And uh, I'm welcoming a child. In about eight weeks, 
eight and a half weeks or so, give or take. N- not that I, you're well, counting. Yeah, not, 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 that, not that anyone's counting or anything. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm already not a morning person. Um, I like, I like my sleep. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure my, my son is going to cure me of that. Um, and that I will probably never sleep again. Therefore you need a, a pick me up. Unfortunately, I don't get that pick me up, but you need still, still, if you need a pick me up, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. They've got all sorts of different great flavors over there. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what Andrew has in his coffee cup this morning, but I'm sure it's one of the many great flavors that he has tried. Is it the strawberries and cream? Mm-hmm. Mm. I am just at the bottom of the that uh, package right now, so I might have to order some more. Mm. So we have this, the strawberries and cream. He's tried the bourbon. Um, there are all sorts of different great flavors over there. If, if I could try any right now, it would be the uh, blueberry cobbler that they have. That just sounds delicious to me. But anyway... All you need to do is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, use the promo code CRITICALTHINKING at checkout, find a flavor you like, find a flavor you want to try as many times as you want. Yeah, they, You'll they get also have two new fall ones out, uh, pumpkin pie and spiced or spiked jack-o'-lantern, which is a bewitching blend of premium coffee infused with enchanting flavors of rich pumpkin spice and a hint of warming cinnamon. All... Elegantly spiked with a touch of creamy Irish cream liqueur. Mm, see, we are we are at the point now where it's pumpkin spice all the things. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. Kind of curious about that too, because I actually do enjoy me some good pumpkin spice. But anyway, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, use promo code critical thinking at checkout, and you'll get five percent off your purchase today. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com. Promo code critical thinking at checkout, and you'll get five percent off your purchase today all right experts believe aaron Rodgers' ankle injury a result of being unvaccinated is this the b or not to be andrew coppins your answer i mean could you have teed this up any easier for me pat this is obviously the babylon b um just the it, is it obviously the babylon is it obviously the babylon b though yes yes it is are you sure yes thousand percent sure because i know what they should be blaming this on well, you are correct and just lost us $100 of our hard-earned money mm. to... Um, How did I lose us money? If I'm right, I, we gain money. No, we didn't. It's going to the central bank digital currency. We don't gain money when it goes to that, Andrew. Err. So what you're saying is it's sitting in an yeah. account that we don't have access to. Yeah, because we don't have, we don't have high enough ESG scores. And nor will we ever. Yeah, because yeah, screw them. So, um, but, but come on, can you, can you not see somebody somewhere being crazy enough to actually make this accusation? That's the point of satire, Pat. Th- that's why I'm saying, I'm like, I, are you really sure this is the Babylon Bee? Cause like the, this, this could be, this could totally be a real thing. Now, I could totally see somebody doing this. All, all I'm going to say on this is, well, I'm going to say three things on this real quick. Number one, could this have just been a rare freak injury that could have happened at any point in time to anybody? Maybe. Yes. Number two, um, it is not lost on me that a lot of these soft tissue issues that we see creep up tend to be happening how or knee injuries are occurring where more often than not 
on artificial turf. Because you cannot mimic the realities of grass very well still. You're, you're still rubber versus grass, dirt, not the same. It can mimic it, but it is not the same. It grips differently. It releases differently. All of those things. It's not lost on me that this happened to Aaron Rodgers at in a relatively innocuous way. And if you watch the foot, the foot doesn't release off the ground the way that it would have with regular turf. It is stuck in that rubber mixture. David Bakhtiari, his, you know, his left-hand man, right, his left tackle for most of his his days, at least the last, what, 10, 15 years almost? Yeah, something like that. Um, Said as much out loud publicly. When is the NFL going to deal with this reality? Because you're starting to watch your superstars go down now, right? The, the, the people that pay the money to watch these games. They're going down left and right, and a lot of them are going down where? There's no way in hell. This is the thing that I do not understand. There's no way in hell, given the technology, given what we know about um, American Family Field and other places, that you should not be able to go grow grass well enough to maintain it. Furthermore, in 2026, when the World Cup comes, every NFL stadium that is part of the World Cup effort will have been transformed to grass anyway. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Give that grass an opportunity to grow and grow well, and more importantly, for the stadiums to understand what works and doesn't work for the next couple of years. What, what are you doing? There's no way in hell, given all of the investment and all of the money, well, but, but the, uh, the end zones and the painting of the field, So, just just paint the NFL logo in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, oh, but multiple teams. Okay. <laughs> How about this? We stop that. Every team has its own stadium. How, how about we go down that route? But, thirdly, could it also be that he is getting older and his body's breaking down? Could all three be a combination? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where my head went. Because it's not like he hasn't played on this before. Oh, he plays on it at least twice a year, mm-hmm. guaranteed, every year, because he plays in Detroit and in Minnesota. And, and thus my point, Minnesota and Detroit. Or more importantly, I'm looking at, like, Carolina. I'm looking at... Um, who are the other ones that I see with these? Um, artificial stadiums. Oh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Dallas. Mm-hmm. Has a wide open roof when it wants to, right? There's no excuse. Carolina with its fake turf now, no excuse. None whatsoever to do so. Oh, it's hard to drink. No, it's actually very easy if you use technology correctly. The multi-billions of dollars 
that you make every single year as an organization, everybody should have the money available to them to be able to bring about quality grass fields. Question. Yep. Does Aaron Rodgers play football next year? I think so because I think his ego says he doesn't want to go out that way. Health-wise, I don't know. I don't know if he's wanting to go through this again. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's had, like what? he's had, he's not, he's not without previous injury, right? You know, he's had right. ankle injuries, he's had knee injuries, he's had shoulder injuries, uh, arm injuries, you name it, he's had it, right? When's enough enough, right? And this is a really difficult injury to overcome, by the way. It really yeah, Achilles is. Achilles is not an easy one. Especially as you get older. Um, now, he's still young in normal human terms, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I think it's a 50-50 proposition. Like, in my head, I don't know. What else do I have to prove? But at the same point in time, they also invested X amount of dollars in me. Do I owe it to give it another shot? I, or I would, to prove I that I can it. do it without the cast of characters in Green Bay, although he has half of that cast in New York, it seems like. He also has one of the best young defenses I've seen. I mean, what they did to Josh Allen, mm-hmm. wow. Just just wow. And also one of the best young receivers. Garrett Wilson, yeah. Yeah, Garrett yeah, Wilson. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But all of that notwithstanding, I don't know. I don't know. It's your body and how it reacts versus your ego at that point. And I don't know which one wins out. All right. With that being said, it is now time for us to move forward because we've got a doozy, Pat, an absolute doozy for WTF Wednesday. All right. So from that to this. My responsibility is not simply to just grade the system, but to fund the system. That's how I'm ultimately going to grade whether or not our public school system is working based upon the investments that we make for the people who rely upon it. Um, I, um, I have a proposition for uh, your, your, your awesome mayor over there. And that is, yes. uh, do, do, you know how, do you know how he should measure success of, of my life is, is to fund me. Give, me. give me all the money. And and that way I can say that my life is truly successful, um, because that that's essentially what he's doing. He's throwing money away. So if he's going to do that, why, why not just give it to me? I I I can make good use of it. So if we're measuring it by funding, Pat, in 2019, the Chicago public school system received $5.92 billion. That's a billion with a B. Yeah. Um, I, I could do a lot with that, by the way. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. In budget year 2024, they are projected to receive income from local state investments, reserves, and federal revenues of $8.49 billion. Okay. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll take the eight point four billion. I'm, I'm good now, if that. we're doing the math from 
2019 to 2024, okay? Mm. That is roughly $3 billion increase in less than five years. Um, yeah, I think I deserve that raise. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Enrollment in Chicago public schools has decreased every single year over the last five years. Yep, yep, from people leaving and people pulling them out of public schools, but yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know how much they are projected to spend per student in 2024? Uh, I'm going to go pushing for well, per student? Mm-hmm. This number is student. going to blow your mind. I I'm I, I because I can't do the, the, the math here. Can you just tell me? Over twenty nine thousand dollars. Yeah. Um do you know what that number was? Let me let me see if I can find this. Um I'm gonna guess. So you, are you are you asking what that number was five years ago? Mm-hmm. Or or what? Is that okay, so five years ago? Um, I'm going to guess probably 15,000. You're close. 16,227. Okay. In 2007, that number was $9,555. Per student. Per student. So in less than 20 years, the per student income, the per student spending has increased not double, almost triple in less hey, than twenty years. Hey, hey! Just out of curiosity, uh, what what could what could you do with the uh, almost thirty thousand dollars a year for your kid? Without quite know, a lot, having, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more importantly, what could you do for your family? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Could that help stabilize, and hear me out on this, instead of that money being drawn into education, right? And by the way, at the same time, the spending per student on education has gone from 48% to, wait for this, 15%. So 15% of that $29,000. Yeah. By the way, that was $19,000 just a few years ago too, by the way. Um, like like I said, uh, if, if you guys are just going to throw money away, can can it just land in oh, my uh, 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 Hang on, account? I forgot. Hmm. The investment has to be in the teachers. And, and so the average teacher needs to be making $95,000 a year. Again, if 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 you are uh, just going to throw money away, I, I my, my my bank account is wide open. Just saying. Cuz your mayor is an idiot. By the way, if you were going to measure success by by how much money you're spending and investing, you're doing it wrong because uh, there should be a return on investment, right? So I would expect if you were going to be spending this kind of money in Chicago schools that they are the cream of the crop in terms of education. 
that these are your um, Ivy League type elite students that are coming out of these schools. If that's the kind of money that you're going to spend, I expect results. People expect results. They don't just throw money away for nothing. But that's what Brandon Johnson's doing. He's throwing money away into the public education system for ultimately nothing. There are no results coming out of the, of the Chicago public school system right now because people are leaving that system, as you pointed out at the very beginning of this. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely insanity. He is a complete, total, utter, ineffective and feckless mayor. And I, I'm, I'm telling everyone within the sound of my voice right now, get the hell out of Chicago let alone pull your kids out of that system because it is not doing now, you any now, good. Now, Pat, you might ask yourself a very important question here. Uh-huh. How much would people like, I don't know, Stacey Davis Gates and, and um, Jesse Sharkey and all sorts of other people at the local one, the, uh-huh. the very first teachers union in the country, right? Yeah. How much would they stand to gain from this idea, right, from Brandon Johnson? Um, I'm I would I would imagine a lot of money because he's well, their pawn. Y- you would be correct because yeah. in 2016, so let's carry the numbers. That's four plus three, so seven years ago. Yeah, she was making 112,422 dollars. Okay, I, I I would take that as my salary, but thank you. Today. That's $150,000. Okay. Um, they are robbing you. That is essentially what they are doing. They, they, are, they are using the guise of whatever political Ponzi scheme that they are conjuring up today, and they are robbing you of your money. That, that is what this is. And by the way, whether you have a kid in the school system or not. Right, yeah. That, whether you own robbed. property or rent. Because okay. guess where that property tax increase is going yeah. if you rent? Yeah. Yeah. Into uh-huh. your new rent prices. Yep. They're not just going to uh, eat that. Andrew, you're being robbed. Yes. Quite literally. All throughout this country. This is the this is the language of the public teachers unions. They are Public enemy number one. Because I asked I asked earlier, Pat, what could your family do with this kind of money? And what do I mean by that? What I mean is, let's say you're, we, we, we decide that realistically, actually educating your son or daughter um, costs less than 10 grand a year, right? The actual physical education part, right? Like um, what we're actually doing in the classroom, right? Right in the support services and whatever, okay? Or more importantly, the online learning has now been able to decrease the cost and you have to compete, right? You have to compete as a public versus a private institution, right? We are now talking about the per spending, by the way, to be closer to the average of of a private, fully not subsidized tuition per year. That, that's what we're talking about. Like, I think Chicago's Latin school, which is one of the most expensive schools here in the city, is like 
$55,000, but most of them are somewhere in the range of twenty dollars to $35,000. So the spending's right in the middle of all of that. So yes, yes, number one, I'm going to drive results as an important part of this because you are asking us to contribute $30,000 per year per student. So you're damn right. My investment demands return. That's how it works everywhere all the time. Now, what could you do with 30,000? Let's say you could, what, what could a family, uh, a family on the south side of Chicago do with $20,000 in their pocket? Or more importantly, they don't have to spend $20,000 every single year. You think that would lift them potentially into a better position over time? But, but it wouldn't be that we would return. Yes, it would be, actually. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it from property owners, right? And then we're going to return it into the investment. And, oh, you, by the way, get uh, X amount of dollars, right? It's going to be tied to the per, per capita spending, right, of the public education system. We're going to tie it just like we do with... Uh, with our Pell Grants and everything else, right? And I've talked about this, the magic number being what it is for your subsidized or unsubsidized loans, right? Magically, it just happens to get your rate to paying for your tuition, right? And tuition just keeps increasing because the federal government keeps increasing all of it. Let's say all that happens, right? You as that dirt poor working three jobs or two jobs to, to pay for the four kids and and living in a two-bedroom apartment on the south side of Chicago, twenty grand a year, twenty grand extra in your pocket every year. Let's say per student. So let's say you do have four kids. That's sixty grand. You might not make sixty grand in a year. That's life-changing money back into the pockets of families. I would suggest you don't tax it at all. So those who are paying the taxes have the ability to pay better wages, create more jobs, create situations in which people can increase wealth. We don't need to redistribute the wealth, right? Because that's what the the next argument's going to be. Okay, so let's let let's let that money, you know, fund students not systems, right? What do you do with that extra amount of money? Does it just go to the parent? No, 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 no. That money is returned to the taxpayer. And and whatever that amount of money is, you divide it by the amount of people who've paid property taxes in your area or however that formula is calculated. And each and every one of them gets a check at the end of the year. You know how you know why I do it that way? I do it that way so that we have the money to fund the students, right? Right. Okay. Because I think investment in education as you see fit as a parent is important. But more importantly, what does it do? It incentivizes property ownership, private property ownership. It incentivizes investment in yourself, investment in your family, and and wealth creation. Even if it's a modest $150,000 house on the south side, right? If you had skin in the game, money coming back to you at the end of the year from that property tax that you just paid, that's wealth back in your pocket. 
That's money that the government took and shouldn't have, right? So let's get it back. And then what happens with that? Either they save it, they spend it, or whatever they do with it, right? But it helps the economy, it helps wealth creation, and spurs private property ownership. It really does. But 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 Andrew, that's that's not uh, that's not the eats and bugs mentality that that the uh, new world order is pushing. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so we got one or two more here. Um, I think we have to go here uh, first because nine eleven, right? Not exactly something I need to be marketing towards, right? Like, right? Yeah. Other than maybe if I am a company like, and we have strong military or first responder backgrounds, you might market to what you are doing with first responder funds or tunnels to right. tower or, or what you, you're looking towards your charitable giving, right? To market. Right. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is what not to do. <clears throat> That's right. DraftKings had a never forget 9-11 parlay involving the Jets, the Mets, and the Yankees because they all played on 9-11. So, 343 people actually had placed this bet by the time that this might have been taken down, first and foremost. Also, $1 if they all won, which I think they did that day, by the by, would have netted you $651. But really? Really, DraftKings? Really? You're going to profit off of 9-11? Fire them all, as Clay Travis pointed out. Yes, yes, yes. It's just, come on. Yeah. Come on. All right, speaking of come on, this might be the most insane thing I have ever seen, Pat. Might be the most insane thing. Are you ready for this? Oh, boy. It involves a senator from the great state of Pennsylvania. Please tell me. have this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry, has said he's going to... Oh, my God, really? Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, it's devastating. (laughs) Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh, no, oh, no. Yes, Mr. Padoni. Was that the first time he's given an actual cognitive thought on, like, camera? Probably, for a long time. Yeah. Well, although there are reports that people say that he's actually getting better, and that might be true, having recovered from a stroke and all that, right? That he might cognitively be getting better. But uh, what the hell is that? That was the... um... I'll tell you what it is, Pat. He said the quiet part out loud. Because that's the real response of the Democrats. That's what they really think of this. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Do you blame them? No, I don't. And that's where I was going with this. This is actually, this is, this is, I don't blame them at all. Because as we look at the impeachment inquiry, what do we know about it? And we said this privately. I know three things about this. Number one, it is important. It has a lot of teeth to it, right? Uh-huh. I do know that. Number two, I also know that it won't go anywhere in the Senate because they will never have the votes for it. 
because this is impeachment is always political. And so rally the troops instead of the truth. Right. right? That's really right. what's going to happen here. And, and we saw that with how they handled all the impeachment inquiries and the impeachments of Donald Trump. Literally one of them based off of a complete and total fabrication. Like literally the entire basis for one of the impeachments was an absolute fantasy. It, none of it existed in real life. It was made up at the behest of a campaign, right? Okay, all of that known, right? And then thirdly, what I also know about this is that because this is political in nature, it's important for Team GOP to use this correctly. And what do I mean by that, Pat? What do you think I mean by that? Um, it they they well, we know what, how they're going to probably use it. That is like, well, we tried to impeach him. We tried. Um, we just didn't have all the power. We need more power. You got to give us more power so that we can you know get stuff done that's how they should market this no that's they how they're to going to market this right how uh, they what they should be doing with this right right the the why this can be powerful because this is political theater theater is what is going to matter here and what do i mean by that your audience is not the senate your audience Correct. is not the Democrats in the Senate. Your audience isn't Kirsten Cinema, Joe Manchin, and a few others that might actually have a modicum of like respect for honesty and the truth. Okay? It's the American people. You're heading into an election year. Would you use this impeachment inquiry for? And eventually, what you need to be doing is put it all together, put it on for everybody to see, right? Put it on trial, put it, you know, you bring it to the Senate. You put it on trial. The American people watch it. It is in front of their face every single day, but you do it as political theater. You know the result. You know what is going to happen. Nothing in the Senate will go on. Joe Manchin, unless he is absolutely flipped, unless he reads the tea leaves of the people of West Virginia, same thing with Kirsten Cinema. unless they read the, the tea leaves of their respective states and realize, oh, bleep, I cannot get reelected if I don't vote this way. That's the only way that this actually works in the Senate, by the way, because conviction in the Senate has to happen with, I think, is it 60 votes? Or is it just a simple majority? I believe it's I 60 forget. votes. I'd have to go look it up. Go, go ahead and look it up. But my, but overall, my point is this. Your audience is not them. Your audience is the American people. Your audience is the 2024 election. What does this do? This gives you the springboard, no matter whom is in your candidate's slot, if you will, for the general election. What you have to know is that you have got to Use this as the cudgel for the election. You make the election all about corruption. You make the election all about this. And this is the other side of the coin. This is why you can't run Donald Trump if I am team GOP. Because if you make this the centerpiece, Joe Biden's corrupt. Joe Biden is senile. Joe Biden and his family belong nowhere near the levers of power in this country anymore. We need return to sanity. 
Donald Trump is your sanity? Are you nuts? That's yeah. why it's important to not have that because you can't make that argument. If Donald Trump is your candidate, you cannot make that argument because he's the one who was impeached. The Democrats will go, see, we did it. We did it. They're just doing it back to us. You can't run the guy they impeached if you want to make this argument. And for me, it is the only argument that wins if you are team GOP, because you have no message, you have no unifying proposition, principles, policy prescriptions to anything right now. Is it possible right. that that happens to run if a Ron DeSantis is running or uh, Nikki Haley somehow pulls a rabbit out of the hat, uh, the donor hat? I don't know. But what I do know is running Donald Trump is counter to this idea. This has to be about making sure Donald Trump doesn't run. And secondly, that you put sanity back into politics at some point in time. If you're smart. It is a two-thirds majority to convict. So 60 votes. All right. You're never getting there. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Even if you're, you had mentioned, even, even if you had cinema. I, yeah. I, like I said, you're not getting that conviction. That's fine, but it's not your audience. Your audience is the American people because you get to use all of the evidence, everything that you've uncovered, the narrative, the story, the narrative, the story, the narrative, the story for an entire year. And you make him have to defend that every single time he is in front of a camera, every single time there's a debate, every single time that media is talking to him or what happens, he goes back into his hole. How does that work as an American president? It doesn't. You either you force his hand, force him to either defend the actions of his family or to go into a hole. Either way, you win. This is all, if they are smart, they use this. And I don't know that they're smart enough to use it correctly, which is my fear. This yeah. is perfect to use to set up the dichotomy that should be existing in the 2024 election. Competence, incompetence. Competence, incompetence. And you only get there if you run somebody like Aranda Santos or um, Nikki Haley is competent. I don't happen to agree with all that she believes, but she's at least competent at her job. I'm sick and tired of when we have a choice, making that choice, right? I'm sick and yeah. tired of making that choice. But we have an ability to make a better choice for America. And running somebody who actually has that on their resume, actually has fighting the fight and winning the fight on their resume, fighting corruption, fighting scandal, fighting what the Biden administration is doing. It's right there. Make the smart choice for once. On that note, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And I never thought I would say this, but John Fetterman was more competent than uh, Brandon Johnson today. Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals. And as always, Matthew 547. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.